This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Welcome back to the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and my guest today is John Corcoran, a California Bay Area lawyer who serves entrepreneurs, small business owners, and real estate owners and investors, helping them with both litigation and transactional matters. John is a former White House aide and served as a speechwriter in the California governor's office. He's worked as a public affairs consultant as well as in the private law firm environment. He's also an entrepreneur. He founded smartbusinessrevolution.com where he shows small business owners and entrepreneurs how to leverage their relationships for business success. He's a business networking and relationship expert and writes for publications like Forbes and the the Huffington Post, excuse me. (laughs) And he has recently been named a super lawyer rising star. But we're here to talk about podcasting. John's podcast is called the Smart Business Revolution Podcast, and uh, I've been listening, and it's fantastic. And I took a look the other night, and uh, it has nothing but five-star ratings and reviews in the iTunes store. John, thanks for being with us. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you, Gordon. So how long ago did you start this podcast? Uh, September of 2012. So it's been uh, this September. It'll be two years, so a little over a year and a half at this point. What led you to decide to do a podcast? Well, um, you know, honestly, I would recommend anyone does it, even if no one's listening, because it gives you such a great excuse for connecting and building relationships with people who you want to build relationships with. It's just such a great excuse. I mean, you know, the old school uh, model was you'd find someone you admire and you'd say, hey, can I, we grab a cup of coffee? Can we go down to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks? Well, as you advance in your career and as you want to connect with people who are more significant, more uh, busy, more successful, it gets more difficult to do that. You know, I mean, if I, you know, sent an email to Guy Kawasaki or Dan Pink and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be in your area. You mind meeting me at Starbucks so I can pick your ear for 45 minutes? No way I'd be able to get to do that. But this gives you an excuse to do that. So that's why I did it. And that's the format of your show. You interview these kinds of folks about, it's mostly about productivity and and, uh, relationships stuff, yeah? It's evolved a little bit, so I can't say that I uh, that I uh, what I focus on now was exactly what I focused on in the beginning. And I think that that is a good lesson for people to, to try and really hone in on what they want to focus on. But what I focus on now is how to use relationships to grow your business, to lead to more clients, more income in the door, uh, career advancement, and and how to build relationships with people in a strategic way that will help support your career and your business. Okay, terrific, terrific. Now, are you a geeky, techie kind of guy or a do-it-yourselfer or did you set this all up yourself or talk to me about how you got set up and going? I'm a moderately techy, geeky kind of guy. I've always liked doing things on the web. I love, um, you know, publishing. I love writing. Mm -hmm. So those things are helpful. Um, As far as the podcast goes, I found that the tech probably held me up about four or five months before I could get it up and running because I didn't want to spend a couple thousand bucks on a course. There's some expensive courses out out there or there were at that time and I didn't want to spend too much money on it. So I kind of figured it out. But in retrospect, you know, it probably would have been a good investment to invest in that early on rather than, you know, wasting all this time. So because really like six months went by when I could have had the web, I could have had the podcast up and running. Mm-hmm. So I, it, you know, I found different, you know, free tutorials on the web and kind of, you know, fiddled around. And eventually, got it figured out. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, early on, that's how I think a lot of us that podcast got started because there weren't a lot of tutorials and things out there. Now, yeah, there's there's a few, and some of them are very high priced, and some of them are not. And and uh, yeah, they're 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 all over the map, and the quality is all over the map too. I think so. True, absolutely. I've heard I've heard mixed things sometimes. Yeah, uh, you know, you have to you have to invest wisely, as in anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So has it benefited you in your practice? I mean, you're, you're still doing it, so I presume the answer is yes, but go on about that a little. Absolutely. I mean, I've built incredible relationships with some you know, authors and entrepreneurs and business owners that I never would have been able to build relationships with. I mean, I've interviewed everyone from like, like household names or, or best-selling business book authors, which is what I kind of focus on, and entrepreneurs – all the way down to just uh, small business owners in my community and also clients. This is an interesting Mm -hmm. point. I've interviewed clients. The clients love it because it gives them promotion for their particular um, business. And I love it because it can almost serve as a bit of a testimonial for you. You interview them and then you've got a page on your blog or your website where you can publish that. And I will take that and then put it onto my firm site. So it's almost like a testimonial because you can show the world what it is you do by do interviewing a client of yours without it having being really boring marketing because people don't like reading basic boring law firm websites. Right. But what I do is I have these excerpts of like interviews of me interviewing a client. That's much more engaging. It's much more interesting. You have to be a little careful on ethics issues about you know bringing out the public, the private stuff, you know, relationship wise and so on. But um, that's really interesting because your your show isn't strictly speaking a legal oriented podcast. It, it is right. much broader than that. Yeah. Right. Well, as as is my practice. So my practice is I what I did is I looked at the clients that I serve, which is small business owners or smaller entrepreneurs. And then I, I figured, well, I could use this as an excuse to interview those types of people and also to provide value to that type of client. So, you know, the clients that I have often have a very narrow legal need. So it would be very difficult for me or to, to create a podcast that meets all of those needs, right? To, to talk, talk about every different type of legal issue under the sun. But on the other hand, the one thing that every small business owner, every entrepreneur needs is help with uh, increasing income, getting more clients in the door, uh, those sorts of things. And also the other thing that people struggle with, which – uh, you know, honestly, it took other friends of mine to tell me I was good at it. Is um, is building relationships with people and building a network to support your business. And and I figured, well, that's a nice intersection. I'm good at this. People find it valuable. It's the same clientele as I serve as a as a lawyer. Let's combine them all and make the podcast about that. That's great. That's great. And it, it's a great opportunity also to show a little bit more of who you are than you can convey in a blog post or even in like a YouTube video because they tend to be short. And, you know, you, you get to to be John Corcoran and people hearing your voice and getting a sense of your sense of humor and all those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I've definitely gotten clients out of it. I've gotten clients who I didn't know at all who email me out of the blue because they heard some particular episode where I was interviewing someone and they want to hire me, even though I was the one doing the interview. Or another residual benefit is other lawyers in my community, in my area, who I know will listen to my podcast when they're going for a walk, when they're at the gym, when they're driving in the car. These are times when I could not be um, connecting with them. You know, In other words, I, I you know, they're, 
there are different points of contact you can have mm-hmm. with people in your network. You can call them. You can email them. You can run into them on the street. You can see them at a bar association function, something like that. There are limits to the amount of time you have in your day that you can be engaging in those activities. A podcast you record once. It takes an hour of your time or whatever, and then it ex- exists on the web forever. And someone who you know might go download it at a time when you're off billing or you know doing something else, you know, spending time with your family. They're engaging it with it. They're consuming it, and they're learning about you. And then you know that point of contact might lead to a referral for you. Yeah, it's a great way to build that that no like and trust stuff that is so important in marketing any service business, really. So what what has been some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome? What are the hardest parts that you experienced of getting your show up and running and keeping it going? Well, I think what what probably um, slows down a lot of people is the tech hurdles, which really can be over overcome by uh, you know purchasing some kind of tutorial or outsourcing it. You know, having someone else basically set everything up for you. Um, the technology is really not that complex. I mean, you and I are using Skype right now and yeah. recording it with, I, I assume, call recorder or something like that. Maybe use. You I'm using use. an outboard recorder, but yeah, it's the same principle. Yeah. So if it was me, it would be call recorder, which is a $20 piece of software that just plugs into your Skype. Yeah. I've got a very inexpensive microphone. In fact, I was saying to Gordon earlier, I've got a microphone envy because he's got a very uh, nice, attractive uh, microphone. But you can spend definitely less than $100 on your microphone and you can get good call quality. Do not do it over a cell phone. Um, that's not a good system. Yeah. There are uh, actually systems out there um, that will do everything for you. You pay, I don't know, 100 a month or something like that, mm-hmm. and they even sometimes will have a producer, and they do everything. So you just line up the interview. You set the, the person you're going to interview. You set the time, or, or maybe you don't even do an interview. Maybe you just talk into it, and then they handle all the post-production and everything. I'm not a huge fan of those systems out there, except if you really, really, really are technology agnostic and don't, don't want to deal with it at all. Um, but because I, I think that really once you get your systems in place, you can you can do it all yourself. So, sorry to answer your question as far as hurdles go. There's technology is a big hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to do an interview style show, which I recommend um, because it gives you variety and it gets you allows you to build relationships with people, then Getting good guests is a big hurdle, and that can be time-consuming. Yeah. And and as you get bigger guests, you you come over that hurdle because you get bigger names, and then you can use those names to get other other people on your show as mm-hmm. well. And then consistency, you know, just like any other marketing effort, when we're attorneys and we're dealing with having to bill or or deal with client activities, having to do it, trying to do it on a consistent basis. And I've been guilty of that, where I've gotten too many interviews in the can and then I don't get them down, don't get them out. And it takes a long time to get them out. So trying to do it consistent is also a challenge. Okay. So the show again is called smart business revolution podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. The, the format is an interview show, but, but give us a little more on the format and structure of things. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a basic, uh, I have a basic format. It's, it's nothing too advanced. Um, I, uh, there are some podcasters who'll ask the same set of questions or they'll have certain questions that they ask over and over again at the beginning or the end or they're asked for mm-hmm. an inspirational quote or something like that. I don't do much of that. I I do research about the guest beforehand and, and write out an outline of questions and then plan on asking them. But my format basically is at the beginning, very beginning, there's my voice that says this is uh, Welcome to the Smart Business Revolution podcast. This is episode number 50 or 51, mm-hmm. whatever. And then, uh, then there's the intro, 
which is about 30 seconds. And then it's my voice again introducing the show, and I explain what they're going to listen to. And then I go straight to the interview, which has been pre-recorded. And then there's an outro music, and then that's it. And the intro and the outro I got for $5 off of Fiverr, mm-hmm. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. The guy who did it for me is not even doing it anymore, so he probably realized it was not very profitable for him. Uh, but there are other sor- sources out there where you can get an intro or outro for not too expensive. Um, I record it using basic software, as I said, Skype. Um, and in my audio, I use Audacity, mm-hmm. which is a free download you can get off the web. My microphone was very inexpensive. So it's not much. Hosting cost is like 5 or $10 a month or something like that. And then you basically, I have a, a VA, a virtual assistant, who does the post-production for me. Um, it's only like an hour or two of his time to do post-production for anything. I use Dropbox to share files with him. Um, and, and then he formats the post uh, in my blog. Mm-hmm. So all I have to do is go in, create a title, create an intro, and then hit publish, and that's it. That's great. So um, you do the show roughly every week, or, or what's roughly your schedule? Roughly weekly, yeah. Do you have a, a, a standing appointment in your calendar to record it, or do you, does that adjust and vary? It adjusts based on my interviewees' schedules. Okay, sure. So, and then the other thing is you can get more mileage out of interviews by also using quotes from that interview for other purposes, mm-hmm. like for an article. So one thing I did early on that was successful is I got accepted as a Huffington Post contributing writer, which is not that difficult to do. If you know someone who's a Huffington Post writer already, you can probably talk to them and they can probably find an in for you. If, if it's not Huffington Post, you could pick something that's specific to your industry. So let's say that you're an IP attorney. And you belong to, I don't know, some IP Lawyers Bar Association of Los Angeles County or something like that. And they have a newsletter that is influential. Well, you could, in order to entice someone to come on, like, um, let's say, a general counsel for some uh, larger company that Mm -hmm. has a lot of IP issues, and you want to get them to come on your podcast, you want to get them as a client, you could say, I'm also going to take... Uh, this interview, or you could lead with it. This is what I do sometimes. I say, I'd like to interview you for an article I'm writing for the uh, IP Lawyers of LA County newsletter, which is you know really big and influential and impressive to the person you're trying yeah. to interview. And they're like, great, okay, great. I'd love to do that. And then you say, and, um, and just to be very efficient in the use of your time, because I know you're very busy, I'll also record it and I'll also publish it to my podcast so we can get more mileage out of it. And then they'll be like, great, sure. So that's how I've gotten actually a lot of guests is by starting leading with the other thing. And and then, of course, you have to write some kind of article out of it as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me what your sort of favorite moment from your podcasting experience has been. Oh, geez. A favorite moment. Um, well, you know, honestly, the one of the coolest things about it is that it's just opened a door for building a relationship with um, the the different interviewees, and I'll get to a moment in a second. But um, almost all of them, I've managed to follow up with and, and build a bigger relationship after having them on my podcast. And what you do is you you look for opportunities to help them in any way you can afterwards. And it might not be related to being a lawyer. It might be mm-hmm. something simple, like you find out during the interview that 
their their daughter is a junior in high school and is going to be applying to colleges and is not sure about where to go and you've got some recommendations in that regard or they love thai food and so you go like hey there's this great new thai restaurant that you have to try out whatever it is you just try and be useful to them and follow up and deepen that relationship over time and that's a you know a, a great way uh, to continue the relationship. And so like Noah Kagan, the founder of AppSumo, I had him on as a guest and I, he and I got a beer last week um, mm-hmm. when he was in town in San Francisco. Um, Dan Pink, uh, I had him on as a guest, the author of To Sell is Human and Drive. Mm-hmm. Excellent author. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I've got a longer story, but basically I, I went to see him at a book signing um, and it was a hugely packed book signing where people, uh, where a lot of people were there and I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm not going to get this. I was hoping to get like some one-on-one attention. I end up getting in line. I get up to the front of the line. And before I can say anything, he says to me, hi, John. Nice. Because he recognized me from doing the, the video interview. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, stuff like that is just really priceless to be able to build those types of relationships. And then I've gotten advice back from them that is helpful to my business um, and also referrals as well. I've gotten uh, lots of interesting clients that have come from referrals from them as well. So yeah, that's terrific. How about a nightmare moment? Have you ever had something just go completely wonky and ruin your day? <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. I haven't had too much of that. I do try and record, um, two different audio versions. So I have two different software running just in a backup, just in case, yeah. um, something goes wrong. Um, but I knock on wood, I haven't like recorded an hour long interview and then afterwards found out that the audio file didn't work, but it's a good idea to do that just in case, you know, one of your software mm-hmm. glitches. Yep. Well, I mean, who among us hasn't had something go wrong in some marketing we're doing? You send the project to the printer and it turns out it's the wrong file and you got you know, redo things, whatever it is you're, you're, you're doing, there's, there's the, room for those things to happen. The so. worst I've, I mean, like sometimes I have to reschedule at the last minute because yeah. of client stuff that's going on and sure. I feel bad about that, but people understand, you know, yeah. they understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you recommend podcasting as a marketing tool for lawyers in particular? I would, and I wouldn't just call it a marketing tool. No, um, I'd call it a practice building tool. I mean, it's it it hones your ability to speak uh, and to think on your feet. Uh, it helps you build your network and in a way that you want it to go. So, let's say that you're practicing in one area right now. Maybe you're doing family law. Mm-hmm. You want to get more into business transactional. Well, you can. What I recommend people do is they create a list of the 50 people that they'd like to, say, interview in the next 52 weeks. And that's a real reasonable schedule. You could do it an hour once a week uh, or even a half an hour. You know, an hour can be pretty long. Sure. Um, and you set that as a goal for yourself. And um, and then over the course of the, the next year, you just work on getting those you know, people mm-hmm. to come on your podcast and, and build relationships with them. But it's also a great marketing tool because it just increases awareness of, of you. You know, I mean, yeah. you mentioned that, you know, I'm a super lawyer rising star. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. First of all, I don't know who nominated me originally because um, I don't tell you that. Yeah. But I don't know if perhaps it might, you know, my uh, my stature has just been a little bit elevated because other attorneys are, are listening to my podcast. I know that other attorneys do listen to my podcast or they're on my email list because mm-hmm. I hear the feedback from people. Um, 
And so, you know, it's definitely a great tool for marketing yourself in that sense. Okay, great. So uh, I want to address the big objection, the time issue. And maybe if you tell us a little, you you talked a little bit about your workflow. Talk about specifically how you prep for the show and and how much time you estimate you spend on it on a regular basis. Um, I haven't been good at making it consistent, so it really varies. Um, That that sometimes I've gotten like excited about doing guests because somehow I get connected to Mm -hmm. someone else. And then, so I, I launch ahead with scheduling an interview and then some weeks I've had like two or three interviews and then it takes a while. It's very time consuming Mm -hmm. and it takes a while to put those out. Um, what I would recommend is get disciplined about a schedule that you want to do and then follow through on that schedule. I try and do my interviews, both me being interviewed, Mm -hmm. people interviewing me because, Oh, that's the other thing is that when you have a podcast it opens up the door for you to be interviewed on other podcasts, particularly if you position yourself as an expert on some particular area. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that's a whole strategy in itself. You could interview other podcasters, people who have podcasts as a, as a, uh, someone uh, on as, as an interviewer, and then they may invite you onto their podcast. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it it is it definitely can be time consuming, but if you cr- try and make it uh, be disciplined about it and uh, not overcommit, and then also um, the post production w- was really bogging me down. Yeah, it was taking me, you know, maybe two hours to do post production because I was dealing with um, uh, what's the name of the uh, software, the iTunes, uh, the the Apple software, the oh, GarageBand. Uh, GarageBand, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Which is a very user-friendly software, and I could figure out how to mm-hmm. mix everything. But it still was taking me a lot of time, and then formatting the post and all that kind of stuff. So I just outsourced it. Yep. I got a guy who would do it. So I'd recommend you know outsourcing as much of that as you can, but not outsourcing the main components. Which is if you're doing an interview, it's Honestly, it's reaching out and landing the interview guests. Mm-hmm. It's preparing for the interview, although you, if you had the resources, you could have someone else help prep you sure. uh, with questions and everything, and then conducting the interview. And so I do all those things, and everything else I don't do. So I, I kind of outsource everything that I can. And let's not forget that uh, you know any activity that we do in the in the practice development area is going to take some time. And I mean, right. other than you know firing off the one minute email just to keep in touch with somebody or something like that, you go to a networking mixer. You're going to spend yeah. two or three hours by the time you drive over there and do the mixer and and leave and get back to the office or or home or whatever. If you're writing a blog post, it's going to take a couple of hours of your time, and you know you do that as often as you reasonably can. You do any of these things as often as you reasonably can. That fits within your your parameters for your practice, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and here's the thing: I mean, I, I am an advocate of going out to physical events and meeting people face to face. I think that's definitely important. But having said that, if you go out to an event and you spend an hour at an, a physical event face to face, you might build some relationships with people, which is you know, priceless. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times you go to those events and they're kind of valuable, kind of not. And rarely will you get a call three years later having never, you know, having not spoken with someone um, in, in three years. Rarely will you get a call out of the blue for a referral. However, podcasts and blog posts exist on the web forever. And so you put an hour of your time into drafting a, a, a blog post or, or putting together a podcast, 
and it's on the web forever and you might get a phone call or a referral from something that you put an hour's worth of effort into three years earlier. I've had that happen to me and it's tremendous. You're like, wow, this is great. So you can really have your your effort snowball mm-hmm. where you get past a critical mass and it's like, wow, I've put out dozens and dozens of, of episodes just like you know uh, blog posts and then you start getting that uh, uh, response and it's, it takes a while, obviously. That's a really interesting point you were making also about the, you know, the, the material being there forever and ever, because, uh, you know, there is this distinction between evergreen content and, and time sensitive stuff. And, you know, your show, you've selected a, a, a kind of a show that allows you to create evergreen content. My flagship show is an entertainment law update where I'm actually reporting on the legal entertainment law news. And, you know, two months down the line, nobody cares. So it's there and it's, it's great for getting the, you know, the content onto the website and I'm, I'm putting new stuff out. Uh, but it depends on people listening regularly and, and, you know that it's an authority builder either way, but evergreen content's great because it's people will still be searching for that stuff later on and, and finding you. And thank you for bringing that up. That's actually an excellent point, and that was a deliberate decision on my part. I had been blogging prior uh, earlier a number of years ago. I was more uh, blogging about time sensitive type of stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't want to suggest that everyone listening to this should completely change their strategy if that's what they write about. But there is an advantage to having to writing um, authority type of tutorials or information about something that's going to be timeless, that's going to last forever um, because of that advantage, because you get that snowball effect over time uh, rather than having something that you just give a, a timely update about. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the message there is, you know, choose your topic and the structure of your show with some of these issues in mind so that you are yeah, creating something that's going to add as much value as possible. Yeah. yeah, and you also should be thinking about who am I trying to attract with this show? Am I trying to attract other lawyers who are going to be listening to this and refer something to me, or am I trying to attract clients? Or am I trying to, you know, and what kind of client? Is it a small client, or is it a corporate counsel, uh, or is mm-hmm. it the uh, president of a company, or whatever? Um, whatever your ideal client is, you should hone in on that first. And then, you know, you want to make sure that the show is attractive to them. Or that you're using it to interview that type of ideal client, and eventually some of them will hire you. Very good. Thank you. So what other bits of advice would you offer to a lawyer who's just getting started out in podcasting? I mean, this has been full of that kind of advice, but is there anything else you'd like to mention? I'd say don't be afraid of it. Um, You know, lawyers tend to be cautious by nature and deliberative, and uh, you can always try it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, you're not, you're probably not going to violate any ethics rules because when you, when you podcast, you shouldn't be doing anything that you wouldn't do in a room full of people. Just be an extension of yourself, be authentic. Um, and, uh, and, and you'll be fine. Um, I would put a lot of thought into how you want to structure your podcast, what you want it to be about, what types of people you want to interview, if you want to do interviews. And I do recommend that, um, uh, who you're going to be trying to attract. Uh, are you just trying to establish yourself as an expert? And then it, it leads to amazing opportunities. As we mentioned earlier, the super lawyer thing. Last week, I was um, interviewed as a guest on Creative Live, creativelive.com, which is a um, educational platform that's been rising in prominence. Um, I, um, 
I'd had the opportunity to, uh, Forbes and Huffington Post came out of podcasting. Um, so the, it really leads to other opportunities in addition to the relationships that you can build because people start to see you as an expert and an authority. Okay. Well, thank you. That's been very helpful and informative. And, uh, John, I want to say thank you again for joining me on the, on the show today and, uh, tell us how our listeners can get a hold of you. Excellent. Okay, great. Well, um, uh, thank you for having me on. Um, okay. Probably the best place to check me out is smartbusinessrevolution.com, um, and you can uh, check me out there. And actually, I have a free ebook, um, which is called How to Increase Your Income Today by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking. And it's focused on what I write about, which is building relationships with people and using that to increase your revenue and attract more clients. And if you go to smartbusinessrevolution.com slash Gordon, we'll, we'll just put it there. Um, I'll have a welcome page there for all your right. listeners, and they can just uh, grab it if they want to check it out. And um, that'll put you on my newsletter as well so we can keep in touch. And uh, I love it when I hear from people, so go ahead and hit reply and say hello and, and um, what you're working on. And I'm happy to help people if they have individual questions about setting up a podcast. Oh, great. Fantastic. Thanks for being with us again. Thanks. Great. Thank you.